We're going to do things a little bit different today. We would have had communion before the message, but we're going to begin a series today called The Countdown to the Resurrection. And I'm going to deal with four different areas where we are to remember the Lord in. And the first one is the supper, remembering his body and blood. So you've been given a nail and a long nail, and please don't stick anybody with it. But I'm going to bring attention to this in the message. And let's uh, read out of 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26, and see what the Bible says about the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord, this is Paul talking, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, read it with me, everybody, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to do what? Remember me. And then in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in what? So clearly twice, the Lord has said, I'm giving you this so you will remember me recall me bring me to mind and when you are partaking the lord's supper there are certain things i want you to be thinking about when you do it so he goes on as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup what are we doing we're preaching proclaiming the lord's death until he comes again father we thank you for the lord's supper particularly for what it represents and lord we pray that as we approach easter we will bring to mind the things that occurred, events that transpired leading up to that death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, we begin today with remembering the Lord's Supper. We pray you will speak to us, make it more real to us than it's ever been. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor it's going to be good. You can be seated. Thank you. And we're absent a lot of people today. We got hit with three things. How many of you woke up at seven and it was eight? And then it was raining hard and then spring break has begun. So we got three whammies. But you know what? We're going to have great church today. And I want to begin this series, Countdown to the Resurrection, talking about the Lord's Supper. We need to understand why we believe what we believe. And keep in mind that water baptism... And the Lord's Supper are the two ordinances that Jesus left for us. Two things that we are to do repeatedly, always. We're all to be water baptized, and we are to regularly partake of the Lord's Supper. In water baptism, we recognize our death with Him. When we baptize people, we say, buried with Him by baptism into His death, and raised to walk in the newness of life. So when we put somebody under the water... They are representing or symbolizing being buried with Jesus. And then when they come out of the water, being resurrected with Jesus. Buried with Him, risen with Him. So in water baptism, we recognize our death with Him. But in the Lord's Supper, we recognize His death for us. He died for us. And it's the Lord's intention that we, as His people, recognize the significance of the Lord's Supper. Paul warned us. He said, don't partake of it unworthily 
And I don't think we're ever to partake of it ignorantly. What does it mean when we take that wafer and we take that cup and we observe the Lord's Supper? What is behind that? What is, what is Jesus wanting us to remember? Well, first of all, let's remember today when it was instituted by Jesus. The Bible tells us when. It says the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. The same night, now I brought bread and when I saw this, it made me hungry. But here's the kind of bread. They didn't cut it, they tore it. And so I'm going to show you in just a moment. But he, he took bread. The same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. The Lord's Supper was instituted on the most solemn night of Jesus' entire life. The storm clouds were already gathering as he and his disciples sat down at the table. Jesus, being fully God, understood exactly what was going on, exactly what was transpiring, and what would transpire before it did. He knew. Judas had already left to carry out his heinous scheme, his mission of betrayal, and the Sanhedrin, supposedly representing God, were awaiting the betrayer's arrival so that they could arrest Jesus. I'm surmising, I'm guessing, but I'll, I would wager I'm probably right that Pilate had likely been alerted that an urgent capital case might be referred to him soon. And he was probably told, it's going to be this Jesus guy we've all heard so much about. We're about to finally get him. And we're going to call on you to bring the judgment we want. His wife had already warned him, don't have anything to do with this man. I've had a dream about him. You better not touch him. The Lord's last night on earth had come when he took that bread and, and he broke it. He knew this is my last night on earth. Just ahead loomed Gethsemane, Golgotha, and the grave. By three o'clock on the day soon to dawn, he would be dead. The shadow of the cross hung over that room where they had gathered like a cloud. Jesus knew fully what he was about to experience. Before going out to face the horrific ordeal of crucifixion, the Lord paused to institute this Lord's Supper that we're going to observe in just a moment. So we know when he did it. He did it amazingly with an untrembling hand the night he was betrayed by somebody who had followed him and received his blessing and been blessed by him and had walked with him and seen all the miracles. He knew this, this night I'm going to be betrayed by somebody I've loved. Now next we see why it was instituted. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. The Lord's Supper was instituted that we would focus on Jesus. Isn't it so easy to get our eyes off of Jesus? That's why it says in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, it makes life so much easier when you can look unto Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Think about Jesus. Turn your thoughts on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Isn't it beautiful to look at Jesus? And so He gave us this so that we would focus on Him, that we would never forget 
what he was about to do. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He said, and I, and I believe he held it up, and he said, Father, thank you for this bread, but I want you to get a hold of something today. He gave thanks and deliberately broke it, saying, this is my body. He wasn't just thanking God for the bread, but he was thanking God for his body that he was about to give for the sins of man. Thank you for this bread that represents my body. In other words, he stood there with that bread in his hands, which symbolized his body, and gave thanks, if you can imagine, for the impending breaking of his literal human body on the cross of Calvary. This broken bread symbolizes my body. And when he did this, and when he broke it, he was thinking, this is what is about to be done to me. Think of that. This is what's about to be done to me. My body's about to be broken. I'm about to give my life for the sins of men. What, what incredible courage. If I'm him, I'm trembling, shaking, quaking, frightened, but not Jesus, because he had already told us, for this reason, this purpose, I came, that I might die for the sins of men. So he had come for this very hour. He had come for this very moment. This was the whole reason he was born, manifested on earth. This was it. He knew as well as anyone, better than anyone, his body would soon be battered. This body, battered, bruised, broken beyond recognition, broken beyond imagination. Isaiah said, we turned our faces from him. He was so difficult to look at. After he experienced what he experienced in the beating and in the cross, Jesus knew that he would be punched and slapped and crowned with long needle-like thorns. He would be whipped to the bone. He had read Psalms 22. His beard would be torn from his cheeks. He would be hammered to a cross of wood. And every bone in his body would be wrenched out of joint as prophesied by David in Psalms 22:14, All my bones are out of joint and my heart is melted like wax in the midst of my bowels. He knew exactly what was coming, yet he gave thanks for that. Can you imagine that? He gave thanks for that. So the supper was instituted that we might focus on his sacrifice for us. How many of you can say today, thank God that his body was broken? Thank God that his body was broken, that with his stripes we were healed. But I believe there is more to it than that. I believe there's way more to the Lord's Supper than that. Here, I want us to recognize also that we need to see our part in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, I handed all of you a nail today, and I want you to look at that nail for a moment. This represents the spikes that were hammered into the body of Jesus Christ as he was nailed to a cross for you and me. And as you look at it, I want you to look at it and hold it and, and, and realize that we all played a part in why Jesus had to be crucified. Anybody in here ever sinned in your life? Come on, some of you are lying right there, not even raising your hand. You're sinning now. Anybody ever sinned in your life? Yes. Listen carefully what Jesus said. He said, I want, he said to his disciples, I want you to take and eat as he passed the broken bread, this broken bread around the table, and as the bread was passed, each disciple tore off a piece of that bread, and in doing so, added to the mutilation of that bread. You see, it was a perfect loaf at first, 
But then as it was torn, it was mutilated. As it was torn, it was made to become what it was not originally. It was mutilated by the tearing. And as each of them tore a piece of the bread, it symbolized how each of them, and by implication, each of us, played a part in the breaking of the Lord's body on the cross because he was crucified for my sins and for your sins. You know, we live in a culture right now that will not admit to sin. We live in a culture that preaches the gospel of self-esteem. We're, we're to think more and more of ourselves and less and less of God. But the Bible doesn't preach the gospel of self-esteem. The Bible preaches that we were all in sin, that we all offended God, that we were all headed for a devil's hell, that we were all had the stain of sin on our soul. And we all played a part in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that we were not physically there screaming with the crowd, crucify him. We weren't one of the Roman soldiers that took those spikes and hammered them in the body of Jesus Christ and hammered him to that cross. But the fact of the matter is we were there just the same. In the reckoning of God, we were there and our sin played a part in crucifying Jesus Christ. You know, there's an old song that we sing, and we're going to sing it in just a little bit. But it asks a question, and this song says, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, it makes me tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the answer to that question is yes, in the reckoning of God, we were there. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of everybody that preceded him and everybody that came after him and everybody who was crucifying him. He died for the sins of all mankind. It was my sin, your sin, Peter's sin, Paul's sin, John's sin, Adam's sin, the collective sins of the entire human race that put Jesus on that cross. And by breaking the bread, each of the disciples was saying, I'm playing a part in the breaking that is coming to his life. I'm playing a part in why he's going to the cross. He's going to the cross for me. Can I just tell you the truth today about you and me and God and Jesus and where we were and where we are and where we need to be and what God did for us? Please understand, I'm not here to condemn anybody, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Would a doctor who found cancer in your body love you if he didn't tell you and tell you what to do about it? No. So I'm going to tell you today, folks, that we've got a giant problem in the United States of America. We have gotten rid of the Word of God. We have put Jesus out of the public square. We've taken God out of our schools. We have pushed Him out, told Him to leave, shown Him the exit door, and when we did that, we were basically saying, I'm okay, I don't need you, I just need to believe in myself more. No, that's not the truth. The truth is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. While we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us all over again, 
place to place, verse to verse, that Jesus died for the sins of all mankind. And if we don't go to the cross, our sins are not wiped away. There's only one place to get rid of the guilt, the condemnation, to take yourself out of the pathway to hell and onto the road to heaven. And it's not Buddha, and it's not Krishna, and it's not Confucius, and it's not Mohammed. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the truth. And I wish I could tell the entire United States of America. I would love to tell CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. You can, you can try to roll a stone over that tomb, but you can't keep him in. He's already raised. See, when I admit that I have sin and that my sins need, needs to be forgiven, I'm on the road to healing. I'm on the road to recovery. The crucifixion of Jesus does not allow us to sit back and blame other people who over 2,000 years ago nailed him to that cross. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 tells us very clearly, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep. All of us. Not some of us. Not most of us. Not the worst of us. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left the path of righteousness to follow our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of not the most, not some, but us all. Do you hear all those personal pronouns? There's no talk from Isaiah about those people, those Jewish people, the Romans, the religious leaders. He's not saying those in them. He says, we, you, me, our, us. Isaiah uses language that directly involves us all. All of us were like sheep that were lost. Because of our sins, he was punished. We despised him and rejected him. We ignored him as if he were nothing. We, our, us, me. Were it not for our sin, our rebellion, and our rejection of God, our own waywardness, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. But when he died on that cross stretched out between heaven and earth, somehow in God's computing, in God's reckoning, and in God's eyes, my sins, your sins, our sins were laid on Him. And the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Our sins were laid on Him. He was judged for what I've done, for what you've done. He was judged. And when He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had reached the point that I believe he feared most in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't the nails. It wasn't the whip. It was that one moment in time when God the Son was separated from God the Father for the first time in eternity past and never again to happen in eternity future. And He took my sin and yours. And if we don't admit that, we will die in our sins. If we don't come to terms with that, so people say, well, I just don't want religion. You've got to do something with Jesus. 
Jesus does not allow you to not do something with him. Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? He asked the million dollar question, what shall I do? What shall you do? What shall we do? Those of you listening by radio, my dear radio friends, some of you right now in rush hour traffic driving down the road, you're going to have to do something with Jesus. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him, not whoever has good intentions or is a good person in their own eyes, but whoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life because His body was broken for you and for me and our sins, my sins, your sins, put Him there. And that's the gospel truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When He died, all of our sin was laid on Him. He died under the curse of all of our sin. Galatians 3.13 says, when He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus became cursed so we can be blessed. He died so we can live. He was judged so we wouldn't have to be. Condemned so we wouldn't be. He died in our place. The message is clear. We drove those nails as well as everybody else ever born into Jesus' hands and feet. Our sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus. He died to restore our friendship with God. That's the good news. And made it possible for us to be renewed and forgiven people. I am so thankful for Jesus. I can't imagine being in this world without Jesus Christ, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, without the washing of the blood. How many of you are thankful this week that the blood was able to forgive you and cleanse you? Yeah. My deep concern is that America is rushing headlong into judgment because we have rejected Christ and rejected the Word. And my prayer for this country is that we turn and get the Bible back into the public arena and the commandments back in school and Jesus welcome into the public arena again and we not reject God to our own destruction. Next, Jesus took the cup, the ratifying of the new covenant. And He said, this is the new covenant written in my blood not ink but the blood of Jesus Christ this is the New Testament in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me throughout the Old Testament folks it was it was grim rivers of blood had flowed in countless animal sacrifices but all that blood could not ease a guilty conscience it could not bring God's peace it could not remove a single stain. It propitiated God. It made propitiation with God, but the person involved in the animal sacrifice could not have a new creation on the inside of them. And when Jesus Christ died and the veil was rent in half, God was saying, now anybody and everybody who comes to my son can walk right into the Holy of Holies and have that Shekinah glory living in your own soul. We have a better covenant. We have a better blood. We have a better Savior. We've got better, better, better in the New Testament. We, everybody say it with me, better. You go from bitter to better when you come to Jesus. The good news is, as one commentator wrote, richer blood has now flowed 
from nobler veins. The Lord doesn't want us to ever forget the breaking of His body and the shedding of His blood. And finally, Jesus said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Can everybody say with me, remember me? Well, what are we to remember? Nobody but Jesus only when you partake of the Lord's Supper. He needs to be uppermost in our minds. We should remember. Who was He? Who is He? Are we worshiping just a good guy who said good things, who loved people, kind of a first century hippie walking around in sandals with long hair and a beard? Who are we worshiping? Here's who He is. The eternal, the uncreated, the self-existing, the second person of the Godhead. Who is Jesus Christ? He was very God and very man. All man, all God, all God, all man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal with the Father. Not one thing that was ever made was made without Him. When man was made, it was made through Him. When the birds flew in the air, they came through Him. When the fish swam in the sea, they came through Him. When the clouds filled the sky and the sun shined for the very first time, it came through His fingertips. He possesses all the attributes of deity because He is deity. We should remember when we partake of the Lord's Supper how He stepped out of eternity into time. How He lived among us as a man among men. Man as God intended man to be. Man inhabited by God. Now at the close of His statements, Jesus said something that ought to excite us all. I want you to catch this. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until He returns. Jesus right there told us in no uncertain terms, I want you to know, church, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. This is not the end. They're going to crucify me. They're going to disfigure me. They're going to break me. I'm going to be buried. It's going to look like everything is over. You're going to be discouraged. You're not going to understand it. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm going to rise again from the dead. And not only that, I'm going to then ascend into heaven. And not only that, but one day a trumpet is going to blow. And there is going to be something take place in the sky that no one is going to believe. He said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, I am going to raise the dead in Christ. Grandma's coming out of the grave. Granddaddy is coming out of the grave. That child you lost is coming out of the grave. Your spouse you lost is coming out of the grave. And if you die before it happens, you're coming out of the grave. And then he said, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus said, honor me with the Lord's Supper. Remember my body. Remember my blood. Preach my reality until I come again. Folks, I believe that Jesus is near even at the very door. Prophecies are coming to pass so fast. It's like the Bible is like the morning newspaper. I want you to know that the time to get right is now. The day to come to him is now. The hour of salvation is now. If you're not right with him, I wouldn't leave this building. I wouldn't go to my car. I wouldn't drive down that highway until you are right with God. 
And so let's prepare our hearts to partake of this great Lord's Supper. And man, if you'll begin to pass out those elements, please, keeping in mind his body that was broken for us, his shed blood to cover us, and his soon return to gather us. Can we stand together?